Welcome to Will Nerds. This is episode 64. I'm Chuck. And I'm Todd. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And milkshakes. <laughs> milkshakes? Don't you mean the new and exciting gravy, gravy shake? shake? New from Chuck's Diner, it's the gravy shake. <laughs> Topped with your choice of gravy cream. Come on down to Chuck's Diner and get yourself some gravy. Gravy. <laughs> Our listeners are either... Laughing their asses off at gravy or really sick of it? Really sickened. I've, <laughs> I've actually been told by my wife to never, ever, 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 ever again mention the Chuck Steiner joke when there's food in the room. <laughs> gravy. <laughs> she is not amused. <laughs> and we'll post up on the site just the Chuck Steiner ad for those who want to annoy their wives. <laughs> Let's jump into it, shall we? All right. Speaking of things that would probably annoy the wives... Yeah, I think this needs more naked ladies. <laughs> this was sent to me. It was, uh, it's with no explanation. Mm, this is a strange looking bike. Yeah, it's a strange looking bike. And it took me a day of looking at it without my pants on. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, wait, can we cut that part? No. Damn it. So, anyways, it took me a while to realize that there's actually two people in this picture. Yes, yes. Two women looks like with, pay- Ooh, they're not actually wearing things, are they? Aren't they? I don't know. Or are they painted? That's hard to say. But uh, this, I guess they're cosplaying as a motorcycle? Okay, that's really weird. (laughs) I don't know. I'm confused. I mean, that looks like a a real tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wheel this thing around and then jump on each other? I don't guess. No, that's really strange. I have no idea if this is like referencing something or what. I'm absolutely baffled. We'll uh, put up the picture and you can see it for yourselves. It's a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I think that last bike didn't include enough naked chicks. Right. So our friend Sean has sent us even more naked chicks. Mm Mm-hmm. Naked chicks. uh, baby catching Canadian dude sends Mm -hmm. us this, which... Is a bunch of naked chicks lying all over each other. One, two, five naked chicks. Four, five, yeah. Five naked chicks Mm -hmm. all over each other and painted up. Vaguely in the shape of a motorcycle. Uh, yeah. If you kind of squint, it looks like a bunch of naked ladies. (laughs) But also sort of shaped like a motorcycle. I see some boobies. Yes. This is probably not safe for work because boobies. Boobies. Um, I've lost my train of thought. I'm trying to imagine who thought this would be a sweet idea. Yeah, because, I mean, all you can really do is have them do this and then take this picture uh-huh. And, and then that's it. That the end. Unless they're going to go places and... Maybe those two chicks on the end are going to sort of roll a little and I, I don't know. I've got so, something for those two chicks on the end. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the handlebars? Mm. Or is that her elbows? I think it's supposed to be her elbows or something. So she's at, she, So this bike is uh, ape hangers. I can only assume. Yeah. It's a little strange. Why is she holding her butt? Um, Don't know. Hmm. She should stick them out because then they'd be pegs. Yeah, yeah. Good thought. <laughs> this is very weird. I don't know. I'd, you know, I, like I want to be titillated, but it's just too goddamn weird. This is just some dude's idea of getting five chicks to be naked for him. You know, maybe that's really what this is. Right, that's this what was it a, is. This was a this is well played, sir. This is some, you know, grungy artist. Hi, I'm an artist. You want to get naked? <laughs> like, here's some path blue ribbon. Mm-hmm. Let's get naked mm-hmm. and make some art. Yep, some yeah. art. Some art. Okay. Artastic. So you know they're rebooting RoboCop. 
Oh, God. They can't stop doing this with otherwise perfectly okay movies. Uh, right. And yeah. here's a picture from the set um, um, of RoboCop and his new RoboBike. Why do they insist upon having bikes where the people lay on them in such a way that they're hard to operate? I don't know. And, and look at him. He can't put his head up. No. No, he can't because the RoboCop costume Dewey yeah. is yeah. in the way. And uh, his his feet are all the way back on the frickin' swing arm. I note that that bike is currently standing up by itself. Is that actually a person or is that a mannequin on a mock-up bike? Maybe he's riding it. It could be in motion. Could be in motion. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's really something. So it's, it's a basic... I've seen set pictures of the guy in the costume walking around. Mm-hmm. So that's a real thing. Yep, yep. But... He could be riding it slowly. I mean, it looks like everyone's kind of standing off to the side. Mm-hmm. Out of his way in case yeah. he crashes into a camera. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they can't just have, like, the motorcycles of the future will be completely unrideable. <laughs> it's sportier looking. Yes, now it's now it's high tech because it's weird. So, yeah, weird well, equals high tech. Weird equals high tech. RoboCop's on a sport bike of some, some sort, kind of yep. Yamaha-ish. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like they probably took an insert interchangeable sport bike here and mm. threw some threw a lot of plastic on plastic it. crap on it. There's no place for him to put somebody he arrests. It's a good point. Maybe mm. it's based on a versus. Net. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Ah, uh, yeah, that joke is still paying dividends. Speaking uh, of which, we're all about dark gray colors. And now he's futuristic. Futuristic. I mean, you know, I mean, that's Robocop himself looks kind of bleh. Yeah, yeah. it looks bleh. All right. So, yeah. Well, Robocop. Uh, Robocop reboot. <laughs> meh. Meh. <laughs> meh. <laughs> Moving on. Our first classified. We need to buy some good stuff. So we got 2008 HD Harley Davidson. <laughs> Nightster. Uh, low mileage, blah, 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 3,000 miles, all original parts, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Uh, but let's get down here where he starts talking about stuff. Vance and Hines, straight shots, HS slip-on mufflers. Boom! Olin Shocks, they're the top-end racing shock company. Rides like a mini road king. Whoa! 2.2-gallon, 48 tank. Was going to paint a gold metal flake. Up to you now. Slinky, air cleaner. Yeah, Slinky, be Aftermarket points cover. With grooves! Relocated Speedo. Just look at it. Look at it! Wow! Joker machine handlebar clamp that preserves the warning lights. Neutral is your friend. Retard. Relocated ignition coil. Opens up the area under the tank. Three plus style points. Nerd. Never been down. No way. Second owner. Not the third. (laughs) If the ad's up, it's still for sale. Fool. No phone number in your email. No No response. So yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> it's got a rhythm to it, doesn't it? That's a way to sell a bike. Yep. <laughs> the funny thing about the ad is, like, in terms of like what the actual ad has, it does a really good job. Oh yeah, this is a great ad. He talks about all the things the bike has and why they're good and why you should want them. And it's a clear, concise list. Yep. Which is also hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a good looking bike. Boom. <laughs> I don't like the smaller tank on it, to be honest. No, no. Hey, here's a smaller tank, so you can't go very far, chump. Hope Boom! you like pushing. Whoa! <laughs> well, that's why neutral's your friend. <laughs> neutral's your friend for pushing! <laughs> squeak, squeak, I'm squeak. not sure about the whole relocated ignition coil thing to open up space under the... Yeah, that seems like a lot of uh, a lot of weirdness. Yeah. 
But I mean, other than that, it's a good looking Harley. No, it is a good looking and bike. It's a good ad, but man, that yeah. guy had a beer or two when he mm-hmm. wrote this. He was excited. He, he was real <laughs> excited. <laughs> he thinks the small tank rocks. The small tank is so cool. Now I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I have an excuse. <laughs> no way. Hey, dude, do you want to go far? No. No way. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Biatch. And they're like, you need to sell your bike. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's next? Right. Next up, we have an eBay listing. Oh, good. For a 2012 custom-built motorcycle. Other. Other. This is a uh, tilting three-wheel motorcycle patent and prototype. I'm offering up for sale the patent rights to the next generation of motorcycle trikes. The problem with existing non-leaning trikes is their inability to lean into a corner like a conventional two-wheeled motorcycle. This reduces the enjoyment and the thrill of motorcycling and can cause some stability issues while cornering. Uh-huh. <laughs> the existing market for three-wheeled motorcycles is large and the fastest-growing segment in the USA. My design is unique. Something like David Huff said. Yeah, Yeah. I I can believe that. My design is unique, innovative, and has U.S. patent number blah, 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 blah. The specifics are no welding or special machining required for donor motorcycle. Well, that's good. Assembled with basic hand tools. Todd is is saying that this has some formatting issues. Yes, yes, He's not just eating his milk steak. No, no. At the beginning of every one is some interesting uh, code, which I assume says <laughs> all components are off self available in USA. Though that is the sound he makes when he eats his milkshake. <laughs> components include standard reverse gear. No modification required to donor to motorcycle engine transmission required. I would love to see how that works. <laughs> standard reverse gear. What is it? It's a boot with good grip. <laughs> Comes with everyone. Says the man with the reverse gear on the Ural. Mm-hmm. Who shows it off every chance he can. Yeah, well, that's actually got a reverse gear, and it's built that way. <laughs> it's part of the transmission. I'm not saying reverse gear is bad. No way am I saying that. You're just saying he can't be, you know. I'm just interested to know how he did it without changing around the transmission. Mm. I mean, it would have to be something like a Goldwing, where it uses the starter motor to back up. Hmm. Entirely possible, but, you know. Yeah, we could we could ask him. Blah, 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 talks about the patent, blah, 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 blah. Why am I selling? Why is he selling? Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's pretty much what he says. Yep. Uh, let's look at the pictures of this thing. Okay, let's check out the pictures of the trike. So it's uh, got a... Uh, it oh, there it is. And, oh, okay. I see what he's doing. It's a uh, Delta trike that's gimbaled in the same way you would an MP3. That's kind of cool looking. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's uh, I wonder how far over it'll tilt, but, you know, it's uh, in practice, it looks like it worked just fine. I yeah, mean, it looks like it's got some pretty t- good tilt to it, if, mm-hmm. if that's the maximum tilt he's doing. And in principle, very much like an MP3. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I guess a little cooler looking, and it's the Delta design. I would be, well, let's see. I wonder if the leaning would alleviate some of the corning problem of the Delta design. Seems like it might, actually. Yeah, I this is pretty impressive looking. Yeah, yeah, this is this is not screwing around. I think this might actually uh, corner pretty well by the look of it. Because the normal problem with the Delta design is that your side force in a corner is pushing you out over the closest tip-over line, which is very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, he's leaning into it, so that's going to counteract that quite a bit. So yeah, I, I this. This looks fairly legit, actually. Yeah? If somebody is an engineer looking for something, this is probably worth a look. Because, you know, damn, man. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. I, I've got to give it to this guy. That he's, mm-hmm. he's put together something that looks really good. That looks like it may indeed be pretty damn cool. I mean, this looks like a practical prototype. Mm-hmm. Cool. Wow. 
Well, we'll put a link up. Check it out. And, Is he uh, selling you know. the bike with her or just a patent? Uh, I think he's selling the prototype and the patent. Okay, running prototype is uh, wow. Available for sale based on agreements. Oh, okay, yeah. The patent, the prototype, design documentation and records, related parts and tools and components, and his assistance in R&D. Okay. It sounds like the guy really wants to build this thing, but what he needs is he needs someone to build it with. Yeah, let's see. Mm-hmm. What needs to be done before production? He's even got estimated development costs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Ooh, a revised half-shaft design to eliminate binding. $5,000, quoted by supplier. Remote shifter mechanism. $5,000. Self-centering, optional. Yeah, yeah. This is a remote shifter mechanism isn't going to cost five grand. You can buy those for a few hundred. This is legit. Yeah, this is pretty legit. I I'm surprised he uh, you he's know. taking that little for it. Well, that's that's that he's taking this little that he's even on eBay at all with this. You know. Well, you know, it's entirely possible he's. Uh, it looks like bidding has ended. So what did it end at? Uh, Zero bids. No one. Yeah, no one bidded on it. I will be dipped in shit. I'm a little surprised, actually. I'm surprised, like no one from KM is talking to this guy. I mean, maybe they've got yeah, they've got the spider and stuff. But man, this is uh, this is fairly cool stuff. Yeah, this could uh, genuinely work. I'm going to be a little iffy about those universal joints that go down to the wheels. Those are. I'm a little suspicious of them. Mm-hmm. That's probably what he's trying to eliminate with the binding, I'm assuming. Basic design's pretty rad. Yeah. It's got it's got all the pieces. I mean, I could see why it didn't get any bids. I mean, eBay just doesn't seem like the kind of place to shop eBay is this. a yard sale, man. That's not where you shop something like this. You know yeah. who he needs to talk to, frankly, is those Iron Horse custom guys. Eric Buell! Mm, probably not. Oh. But you know, you know that you remember the guy who was building the Acura bike. Yeah, you talked about Iron Horse Customs was yeah, giving him a yeah. motor. Oh yeah, yeah actually they uh, they gave him the motor and they're like, you know what, we got a better idea. What's that? Move to Seattle and work for us. Oh, bring your prototype. He's like, sweet, cool. Yeah. So you know, clearly there are you know, these custom shops out there who are looking for something unique. It's just snagged this. Yeah. Them, I suppose, like uh, Hannigan or somebody, one of the sidecar and trike manufacturers Claude. might snap them up. Claude, who the hell knows? I mean, that's because uh, he looks like he's done. Yeah, he's this, most of the fucking grunt work here. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. He just needs a fabricator and somebody to market the thing. Yeah, holy crap. Yep, that's really cool. It's extremely cool. I wish I had a couple hundred grand. Me too. I'd blow it all on coke and horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Not all ads can be this good, unfortunately. <laughs> So we got this one uh, that came from Jorge. Beer bag saddlebag set. Holds a 12-pack on each side, $99. These are some used beer bags. Have insulated cooler bags on each side that you can remove. Right side bag has bind opener. Brackets are missing. Has carry handles on each bag. Takes to call it. No answer. I'm probably in jail. Beer bag saddlebag set. Hold a 12-pack on each side, you fucking amateur. <laughs> <laughs> 12 packs? Get fucking real. Well, clearly all this is is the guy's got a set of saddlebags. And, and a he, pair of cheap Walmart coolers that he popped in them. Yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now yep. he's trying to sell it. Beer, but capital beer, beer bags. TMRC. <laughs> I have a patent. You can, you can buy it. Yeah, 12 pack. Try a case in each side. <laughs> and we'll talk. Well, remember our beer akin idea for the sidecar? Mm-hmm. Way back in uh, season one, we yeah. we just take one of our suits and stuff it with beer. Yeah, exactly. We could get 
lot of beer in that. Bud Miller holds Bud a Miller. lot more beer than this. Bud, we need and you can go in the carpool, carpool lane. lane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we can go in the carpool lane anyway. That's a good point. We don't need. Yeah, yeah motorcycles. I try to go in the carpool lane and Rule. just like floor it as much as possible. And you get a lot of angry people. A lot of angry people. <laughs> a lot of really angry people. <laughs> honk honk flash flash. I'm trying. <laughs> oh look, they're all waving at me. Hi. <laughs> Why are they waving with one finger? <laughs> Brackets are missing. Has carrying handles on each bag. Brackets are missing my ass. <laughs> They're still attached to my bike, bitch. <laughs> Beer bags. Saddle bags set. Uh, oh, my God. He's wait. got labels on them. No. And he's attached a bottle. Ooh, that's a good idea. I'm doing that. The bottle opener? Yeah, the, uh, oh, yeah, the fixed mount bottle yeah, opener on the back idea. of the Pelicans. Wait. Could these possibly be a thing? Are these a real item? Chuck? To Google. To the Google. Here, let me Google that for you. Typing is hard. Is, is there one beer or two beers in beer? Beer bags. Beer and bags dot count. No, that's, that's not right. No. Wait. Oh, my God. No. No, it can't be real. Powered by something. No. That's tailgating. Tailgating tips. Look, you can be like these college kids playing flip cup and beer pong. Now, back up. But wait. This, oh, my God. It's a thing. This is a thing. From It's beer bags, PVC, motorcycle, saddlebags set for $80 on Amazon. Um, so they want less. Yeah. <laughs> this is a out. thing. Built-in bottle opener. Skull and crossbones emblem. Who the fuck thought this was a good idea? This is a thing. This is a thing. Holy crap! Somebody is selling these. You could sell anything in this country. Apparently. Although I definitely am going to get one of those permanent mount uh, beer openers and put it on back of one of the Pelicans. I think that would be oh, trick. Oh, totally sure. That would be really trick. Oh, my God. Wow. So I, this, uh, this dude didn't just... He didn't just do make this. just like stuff a Walmart cooler and he actually bought these. <laughs> I was like, wow, I just realized this was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, someone buy them. He must have realized that day because I bet that's the box they shipped in. Yeah, I think so. I think he got him. He's like, I got these beer bags. What, what was I <laughs> he was thinking? Was I drunk? It was 3 a.m. Uh-huh. He was watching late night TV. Yeah, trying to, trying to watch the scrambled porn. The infomercial came on. Uh-huh. <laughs> these beer bags are great. I love them. You know what I need? Beer bags. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to throw this out. You can get a uh, a 12-pack and a bag of ice into a Pelican case. <laughs> Just saying. It fits. Does, do they leak? Well, when you open them. <laughs> to hilarious results. <laughs> Squeak, sploosh. <laughs> Oops. Uh, oh, my God. Yep. That's a thing. It's, it's real. This is not just a, oh, my God. We, okay, this is a... Goddamn crime against the first world. This dude was able to make, not this dude, but the dude behind these bags is able to market this, but that other dude isn't able to market his fucking trike. Yeah, that's kind of fucked. That is so fucking wrong. Ah. Uh, ah, uh, man. Ah. Uh, I need uh, my faith in humanity restored, Chuck. I'm, I'm not taking my pants off. Milkshake. <laughs> No, I need my fifth humanity restored. I need to talk to somebody who I can connect with on some level. I need to talk to somebody who likes to work on really shitty bikes. Please be a chick. Please be a chick. Please be a chick. It's not a chick, Chuck. It was a dude. Oh, God damn it. Dude, sorry, man. There's a couple <laughs> of girls here, but they're all tied up at the moment. Literally. Sorry. Well, he is in Tennessee. 
Well, yeah. they have a lot of women in Tennessee. Not many, but they have a lot of them. We're on with Mike Fairman of the 555. Mike is uh, one of the founding members, right? That's okay. correct. All right. And tell us real quick, what is the 555? I don't know. To brief it up, to make it quick. Uh, the five Quicker! Five... All right. All right. Uh, it's, uh, it's three basic rules about traveling long distance on a motorcycle. The first rule is the year. The first five is 41975. The bike has to be built. has to be 500 cc's or less. And you can't spend more than $500 on the motorcycle, uh, including the purchase and road-worthying it for the long-distance trip. Chuck, these are my people. I've come home. (laughs) You can only imagine what the calamity is whenever you put those three rules together. I don't have to imagine very hard. No, no. (laughs) How many of of these have happened? Uh, The story kind of goes, it started in Knoxville, and uh, it was found, we had, uh, we found our doppelgangers in Portland, Oregon. Did you kill them and eat their souls? No, nothing, nothing quite like that. But they, uh, we picked them up and, well, we didn't pick them up. They picked us, actually. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Even better. They found us and uh, got us incredibly drunk. Uh-huh, here it goes again. All really good ideas start this yeah. way. Yeah, so uh, we met them online, I guess. They found uh, our website, and then they talked about how much they liked our beards, and then... Oh, oh wait, sorry. Uh, we met these fellows, showed up in Portland, got super drunk. They liked the idea of what we did, and because they all ride old motorbikes, they decided that they were gonna, we were going to pass the torch on to them. And the year after our first trip, they were going to come back to Knoxville, Tennessee on the same rules. So there have been, they have done it twice, and we've done it three times now across the country. Uh-huh. This is sounding worse and worse as the conversation goes along. I can't help it. You guys' minds are in the gutter. <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, how many times you guys woke up in a bathtub filled with ice missing a kidney? None. More like horse troughs and things like that in the middle of nowhere. And you're not usually missing anything. You usually gain something throughout the evening that you didn't know about. And it's usually dirty. So uh, I won't go there. Yeah, if you're traveling on one of these bikes, people aren't, like, you know, stealing your shit. They show up and they, like, give you some change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that has actually happened before. People uh, yeah, they see you and they, they see that you're hopeless. And right away, they're, they're nurturing, like, hey, what do you Aww. need? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You guys just finished one, right? That's correct. We just got back home, I think, uh, a little over a week ago. You know, it's, it's fine if you do it. I guess if you could do that every year on an old bike that was stock. And drive across the country, and it would be, you know, fine. But, you know, you got to kind of up the ante and create a challenge for, you know, the Portland crew or back to us. You know, everybody's got to kind of add something into it. So this year, we decided that we were going to handcraft the motorcycles and make choppers. So the the rule on top of those three rules was it had to be a hard-tailed frame. So. Well, this sounds like great ideas. Oh, it's an amazing idea. How many beers led to the hardtail? You know, it doesn't take long to get a bad idea, but I'm sure there were probably, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand PBRs and Bush beers and uh, Coors Original that were drunk during the process of the two months that we built these bikes because we had to we had to hand build 12 motorcycles in two months. So you had to find them and then decide you were going to cut them up, find the parts, and then, you know, over half the guys had to learn how to weld. So that was also part of the challenge. Not only is your bike run terribly, but you have to design it so that it won't kill you going down the road. How, how many learned to weld well? Well, not one frame broke on the road. So wow. oh, that, nice. uh, yeah, that, it, that well enough, right? They well welded well enough. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, I got a question. Do you guys up the ante for yourself or did the Portland group say, you guys have to do this on hardtails? 
No, I think uh, everybody has a bit of the masochism in them, and I think that there was some shit talking back and forth between the countries or between the the, <laughs> the country. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way about Portland. He, he well, he, he is in Tennessee. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, you boys better take it easy. All right. <laughs> the Portland crew, you know, there's some shit talking between the each other. They did it once on uh, bone stock motorcycles, but they threw in <clears throat> another great idea, which would be they flew in at one point to Detroit, the most depressed area in the country, and searched on Craigslist in a matter of three or four days bought motorcycles and then rode back across the country on those 500 cc bikes or less than 500 cc bikes so that was one of their little you know styles of what they did and you know because they were always saying their bikes were smaller and they had more people and then they wanted to throw that in the mix so the year (laughs) after that we decided that we were up the ante on them we took four cb350s and we handmade four sidecars for the bikes and we had eight guys one guy would drive, one guy would sleep. This was a, the perfect idea during those million beers that we drank was the one guy would be sleeping in the sidecar while the other guy was driving and we could drive around the clock and we could make it to Portland, Oregon on the two lane roads because we don't ride on the interstates at all. No, no, there's no way you could sidecar. <laughs> we could do it in five days. We figured we, we were thinking like three and a half days, no problem. These bikes are running great. That didn't work, but it was a really good idea. You know, <laughs> We, uh, one of our things that we never do is we never ditch a motorcycle on the road. If a motor grenades on the road or, you know, you burn a hole in the piston or uh, the top end goes out or whatever, that's part of the fun is the scavenger hunt in whatever town you're in to try to find a piston for an antique 350 or 450 or 250 or whatever you're riding. You know, you have to do this in a matter of hours or, you know, one day to get the motor apart, find out what's wrong with it. Everybody goes out on the hunt. You find people that look like they might have a clue about something about motorcycles, and then it begins. So you search high and low, and I mean, you can end up in a town of about 1,500 people, and you can actually find these parts. People have stuff in barns, barns, yep. underneath their house, in somebody's neighbor's shed that they heard that moved out that died a long time ago. Their stuff is there. So that's how it works. you know. So the, last, the sidecar trip, we blew up two motors before we left the state of Tennessee. <laughs> We were hot rodding a little bit, you know, each one close to 200 pound guys. So you got 400 pounds worth of guy and then a sidecar, which is 150 pounds plus gear. You know, you're adding up a lot of uh, weight for, a say, 27 horsepower maximum motorcycle that's, you know, 40 plus years old jamming down the road at 55, 60 miles an hour. So, yeah, oh, they, so these things could go 50 miles an hour? He's full of oh, shit. Oh, he's completely hey, full of shit. Oh, come on. <laughs> I've yeah, seen we, Todd on his Ural, and he barely makes 50 miles an hour. Downhill with a tailwind? I could believe it. Todd, you're doing something wrong, buddy, because I'm telling you what, man. We had – we well, one thing we did is we definitely learned how to draft. We had uh, – uh. <laughs> draft anything going down the road. It was – you know, you running six to ten inches behind each other in their sidecars. There was no room for error with drum brakes, but you could, you could catch a tailwind off of something, and you could move. You know, draft, 60 miles an hour, which hook. felt like 150, because we also manufactured the sidecars to be articulating, so the, the bikes would lean with mm. with the sidecar, which was super dangerous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people couldn't ride them. Our gang could once we figured out how to do it, but it was really, really uh, uh, twitchy and very sketchy test runs around the parking lot whenever we first built them. <laughs> so, What do you think about the articulating sidecar, Todd? They're called leaners. They're actually very common in Europe, and they are very hard to ride unless they're set up right. Okay. So if you've never built a sidecar and you decide you're going to build one out of who knows what, you know, old parts, 
it's not the smoothest thing in the world, but it does. It, it worked. I mean, hell, we it took us five days to get to uh, Boulder, Colorado on that trip. So we made it to Boulder. But our thing was is we only had a long weekend for everybody to you know finish this trip. Hmm. So two of us finished the trip off, and we took another five days to get from Boulder to Portland, and you know climb Mount Hood in the snow. It was brutal, but we <laughs> finished it. So. We tried to always make the destination. You had planned five days to make it there, and, and it took you 10 days? 10 days total, yeah. yeah. And then you ride the things back? <clears throat> not always, no. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, the sidecar thing, definitely not. I mean, because it was a time constraint. I mean, yeah. but, you know, everybody's like got their own businesses and whatever else. But yeah. some of the guys have the opportunity to do it, and some don't. This last trip, we had uh, 12 guys on the choppers, and we went to Portland, Maine this time. It took us 12 days from Knoxville, Tennessee to Portland, Maine. And if you look on MapQuest in the most direct route, it's a little over 1,000 miles. You know, if you add up the mileage in your head, it's not very good. But we didn't take the direct route, and we were on the two-lane. This trip, we had two of the guys. One guy rode back to Knoxville. One guy rode to California, and he's actually in California on his motorcycle right now. Two of the guys rode to Philadelphia, parked their bikes, and flew home for a wedding. And then seven of us left them in a horse barn in Connecticut and rented a caravan and rode home together. Seven guys oh, okay. deep. It was amazing. We had <laughs> I, I, eight and a half hours in one caravan and seven smelly guys. Yeah. I could picture them all stuffing the bikes into a barn and like, okay, let's light it. <laughs> Viking style. There it is. It's gone. Well, you know, the thing is, too, is you, you spend all that time building something, and even if it's a total shitbox, you're still in love with it, you know? You, you've, yeah, how do you leave it behind? Do you, do you oh, plan to get them back at some point, or yeah, they yeah, just... Well, they have just arrived back is what happened. Okay. We, one of our friends who owned the horse barn was coming, to, coming down south, so he loaded them all in the back of uh, a flatbed truck and brought them back for us. So we do get them back but it, yeah it's uh it's not the easiest thing to do to leave something like that behind so you've inspired uh, another group in portland are there any other uh, 555 groups you see popping up around the country oh not so much i don't i don't really think so i mean i've heard other people doing things kind of like, which is really cool but uh I, it's really hard the the hard part about it is finding a crew of people that are very like minded and it's not even about what the motorcycle is it's just about being able to get along and enjoying traveling together and actually having the the temperament to be on the road together and when something goes completely wrong and your motorcycle blows up you know that you're not gonna you know get mad at somebody else and throw beer cans at them and scream and uh, <laughs> have a fit you know because not every, not everybody that you meet and you travel with is the most even keel person you know it's just, it can be stressful but if you have a group a group of people that you know are just actually into having a good time no matter what happens or how far you make it, then, you know, that's the trip. Those are the people you want to spend time with. So we're pretty fortunate here that we got a, a good group of people. Well, traveling with buddies whose bike blows up, what must that be like, Chuck? Oh, Chuck, you've, you've, uh, you've had this experience. Chuck is also your people. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> this year, Chuck, we were waiting for you. Uh, well, I, I, I used to ride a Buell. Oh, and, uh, you're not our people. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Those people. It, it had it had problems. That's true. Your bikes do run better than his did. Shut up! <laughs> my, my bike had problems. Oh boy! Did it happen on the road? Oh yes. Oh, quite a bit. <laughs> in the we, desert. In the desert. Oh yeah. boy! Did you guys leave him behind, or did you did you wait for him? No, no. We we helped him limp his way home. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I limped at home with uh, explosions coming with out. Fire! Of the back. <laughs> no shit! Fire coming out of his tailpipe. <laughs> 
I didn't know they weren't supposed to do that. You could always, you always knew he was going to slow down because right after the fire happened, he'd lose a whole bunch of power for a minute. <laughs> no, that's what makes the trip. You know, those are where the memories at. Whenever the cannonballs come out of the back of the bike, then you know you stop, and that's uh, you always meet somebody. There's always a zombie somewhere. Or there's always somebody somewhere that's you know that's just I don't know where they come out of, but they show up, and it's usually genuine people. Hey, do you need a hand or? What are you doing or where are you going? And that's that's the experience of being on the road. And that's kind of what we've come across with all of our travels is every time something goes catastrophically wrong, we end up in this absolutely gem of a situation that you couldn't replace. I mean, everybody's got a bike that's reasonably reliable in our crew. Well, most everybody. But, you know, you get going down the road and you'll actually make it to the destination. And you say, oh, I'm going to get on the interstate and I'm going to go to this place. And you make it there. Well, with this trip... You end up in towns that there's no way in hell you would ever pick on a map that you were going to spend two nights in and meet people that, you know, that you did. That's kind of why we continue to do this, because it slows you down to a creeping pace that you normally wouldn't ever do in life. And you wouldn't stop at places that you didn't, that you normally wouldn't know, random restaurants. And that's been a big key to our travels with this, is really the people that have shown us a, an amazing place to stay or an amazing restaurant or held the place, you know. Whatever. That's that's kind of the key to it. So do you change the route each year? or For the most part, yeah. I mean, the first two years when we went to Portland, uh, Oregon, we went two different directions. One was due to the weather. Well, they were both due to the weather. One was to the south first and then around the, the Rockies in north. This last one, we ended up just barreling straight over the Rockies. And then this trip was off to Portland, Maine. And it's it's the same thing every year. It's like, well, which way do you want to go? It's like, well, let's just get together that morning and we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's go not that way. Yeah, exactly. So Portland, Maine is northeast. We'll go that direction. So you start clicking together little two-lane highways and you never know where you're going to end up. And, and then you get someplace close and somebody will give you advice on a, a neat place to go swimming or just a neat road that, to ride on or wherever. And that's, that's how we piece it together. <laughs> neat place to go swimming in, the, in my backyard. I've, I've huh? got me a swimming hole. <laughs> There's a few times that we've been scared away from uh, people's houses, you know. You boys, anyone know where you boys are? <laughs> <laughs> the random transvestite in West Virginia, that's good. Uh, there's, uh, you know, people that trailer parks we've been invited into to stay. And, you know, even the low, low brows like us will turn away sometimes and think, you know. You, like, you guys like meth? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, the best comment was, what kind of beer you like? And the little kid coming out of the woods on a four-wheeler said, we like all kinds. I was like, okay, good. We're out. Thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, you're going to meet all kinds of people for sure. And the thing is, is the weirder the bike, the weirder the people that come up. We, we usually call them zombies that approach you at the gas station because sometimes those are the only people that are brave enough to walk up to a pack of people that have handmade motorcycles that smell real bad, look bad, and somebody's trying to tune the motorcycle in the corner of the parking lot on one cylinder and it's just raising hell. And there's that one weird, freaky guy that shows up on his bicycle with all the flags on it and he's got, you know, Def Leppard playing on the speakers or something and he comes over and he's your best buddy and he's going with you kind of thing. Those, <laughs> those are the people that you can't shake. And it's like, damn, I want to meet normal people, but... <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you, uh, you attract what you are, I guess. I don't know what it is, but you attract some weird people. i going to say, uh, people, people riding on uh, $500 bikes across the country probably don't qualify as normal people. Probably not. 
And uh, oftentimes, too, you go into a dealership looking for stuff. Sometimes you really don't get any help, and you're not really accepted there. But sometimes mm-hmm. you'd be surprised. Even Harley-Davidson shops have helped us out. Yeah, you guys need any tools? You need any parts? What kind of cables can we help you out with? But, yeah, you're not usually classified as very normal. Wouldn't that automatically violate the $500 rule? Mm. Yep. Because you know what the thing is, is almost all those vintage parts are free. And <laughs> it's like, I've, or if not, it's something that, uh, you know, it's, you bodge it on, you know, it's a cable that doesn't fit or it's a cable that's used and you can, you can but make even, it. Even just walking into a Harley dealer, doesn't that? Uh, I'm the, pretty sure that violates the $500 rule. I would think. Well, it feels pretty damn good going in there. Let me tell you. <laughs> Especially whenever the people come outside and they're like, oh, my God, these things are so cool. All we ever see is the shiny ones. These ones are cool. (laughs) The employees, it's it's always amazing, yeah. Do these run? The funny part about it is whenever you load up a $500 bike and you get a couple states away and you 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 have all the gear on your bike, the license plates from out of state, and they look at it and they're like, did you really ride this thing here? This is amazing. They're totally blown away because, you know, a lot of those people wouldn't ride that thing down to the end of their driveway and back like hell no (laughs) spitting and sputtering and blowing smoke but it goes how hard is it to source a bike and then get it trip ready four to five hundred bucks well it can be hard i mean there's a hell of a a movement on craigslist for uh classic bikes and their price you know everybody Mm. is it's really really going up but I think a lot of this stuff doesn't come off of Craigslist. It comes off of word of mouth or you just have to just talk to a lot of people. And just once you realize that this trip is happening, you have to start inquiring. And we've come up with, a, with the idea that there's only two kinds of CB350s out there, ones that are stuck and ones that will run. And it's almost true every time. If it's got compression, you can get it to move down the road. The parts are readily available. Our friend owns a motorcycle shop, so all of our parts come at cost. You know, ah. so you need points, condensers, stuff like that. You can get them for a reasonable price and put them on. But I mean, it's putting together five hundred dollars worth of motorcycle is really, really tough. It's not, it's not easy. Well, actually, you know, I, I heard a good deal. There's apparently there's a guy in Connecticut with a barn full of these shit can bikes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he, I bet he'd give us parts. <laughs> he'd probably pay you to take them away. What it is. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, can you go negative that way? Like, please take this piece of crap. Uh, I, I, like, I think that rule might work, yeah. There might be like three or four caches worth of these bikes out there. It's got stolen, so we're all starting off with $1,000 next year. <laughs> How long does it take to get ready for the trip? The motorcycle or, or preparation in yourself? I mean, because you really ruin your relationship, uh, your work ethic, your home life, your clothes begin to smell. That usually takes about two weeks, but... The actual preparation of the motorcycle, some of the guys, a week, and uh, the, the bikes are amazing. In a, in a week's preparation, the bikes are amazing. The handmade choppers was two months, two months for 12 bikes. If you found a, an original bike somewhere that had compression, you could probably pull it together in a week and a half in, you know, if you knew what you were doing. So I'm thinking I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to buy a crap can and go somewhere. Right. What, what are the most important tips I need to know? Like, How do I go about finding a really wicked cheap bike? Well, you don't shop on Craigslist, mm-hmm. and you just have to ask everybody. That's it. That's the only, to, to find a wicked cheap bike, you got to start asking around, and then that's it. I mean, the only thing to do is to just talk to people. That's what do you look for in the bike? The best, the best things to look for in the bike is compression. That's it. As long as you step up and that kicker rolls over, you're golden, and that's pretty much it. Everything else can be uh, 
can be changed and fixed and manipulated and greased and that's <laughs> uh you know, some of the bikes if it's been sitting outside that can be rough but if it's been indoors you're the compression's it, man. I mean, that's all. The, those old bikes, you know, they're 40 years old, but a lot of times they didn't have high miles on them for the smaller CCs. You know, once once the, I guess, the era of the interstate or whatever hit, the small bikes, people no longer took them long distances. So, you know, you can pick up a, a bike for with five or 10,000 miles on it or 15,000 miles, and, you know, the clutches didn't wear out in that kind of time. Hell, guys have run the original plugs on their trips that they bought the bikes with that have been sitting for who knows how long. You know, grease the cables. Put some tires on it. Make sure the bearings spin free. Oftentimes the gas tanks are full of rust, but you know you shake <laughs> shake it out. Put some nuts and bolts in there and uh, do great a, trick. Love that one. Yeah, a little cleaning on that. Some fuel filters and voila. That's right. That's I mean yeah. That's the only advice. I mean just uh, you know there there's a danger factor. I'm sure somewhere else, but. You know, you got old uh, suspension on them, so you don't really need fork seals. Once all that oil gets out of there, that doesn't get on the tire anymore, so you just got springs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really what you're looking for. Get the cables to work good. I mean, if you want comforts, you know, you could get yourself one of those air hawks. But for the most part, the rotten old seat that the Rat ate is pretty good. And, so, uh, how much time do you guys spend at the chiropractor after one of these trips? Oh, ha- none yet. None. <laughs> we're... we're you know, strapping young bucks like ourselves, we don't. Uh, yeah, not too much. Uh, he's so old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand, Chuck. How do they ride without ABS and matching suits that match the color of their bike and and big brushed aluminum thingies? I'm confused. I'm, I don't know. How do you guys? I don't. I don't understand how we do it. I mean, it's really hard every day. I mean, whenever I realize we don't have intercoms and helmets and like a sneaky leaker to piss in our pants when we're driving down the road for our long distances, I don't get it. The GPS, shit. Um, it's a tough one. It's a real tough one, man. I don't know. I think that's kind of the thing. It's it's the idea of back to the motorbike, man. Having a you know taking a motorcycle trip that's an adventure and not knowing and being uncertain of all these things. You know, people spend. I guess people don't want to break down. People don't want to have, they want to get exactly where they're going and they want to set an itinerary. And that's really not what this is at all. You know, Mm -hmm. not about the destination, about the trip. Yeah. The destination, as soon as you hit the city line, you are on the road. Your destination is right where you're at. And when everything goes wrong, the beers get bought at the closest grocery store and then brought back to the parking lot. (laughs) And then you take over. And, uh, (laughs) They, yeah, the locals don't seem to mind, or maybe they just leave us alone. I don't know. They got a bunch of guys passed out in a parking lot. <laughs> uh-huh. There's usually Bikes least, tipped over. Usually at least one motor out of the motorcycle somewhere with the top end off. Somebody's tinkering on something, and then back together. Guys sober up, get back on the road. I mean, you don't come miles in one day, but there is, there's a, quite a bit of drinking going on. After there's a realization that you're not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And we're stuck. Beers. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's it. That's what friends do, right? Whenever you burn a hole in your piston, what do your friends do? Show up with a 12-pack of beer. Like, here you go, buddy. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. You know, it's hard enough to wrangle a group of guys on normal bikes. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, how much mileage can you guys make in a day if everything goes okay? Well, you know, the larger the numbers, the the less miles for sure. Mm. I think – this last trip, the hardtail trip, because that was fucking brutal. When you get north of the Mason-Dixon line, the roads are terrible. The, Frosties. Yeah, totally, man. It was really brutal, and the holes in the road were amazing. So, you know, you try to click high miles on a bike that has 
super high revs and your hands and feet are vibrating like crazy because you have no <laughs> suspension. You've only got two out of five motor mounts on the bike because it wouldn't look as cool if you would have put them on there. So, oh, yeah. Is well, thank like God. Hell. Yeah. There's a lot of vanity going on here. And uh, so you have to, uh, I don't know, let me think. Probably, I think our top miles were close to 200 miles a day. Wow. I'm big. Impressed. Yeah, big kicking miles. Not bad for a hardtail. Yeah. <laughs> we, did spend, we did spend two evenings in a gas station in Virginia. This, this was probably the record breakdown I've ever seen on a trip. Virginia, second night in, first guy went down, well, the that, that, I'm going to backtrack that one. The the first bike went down, and it was a uh, the cam chain went out and bent two valves. Ouch! Right. <laughs> so that went wrong. And then one of the other guys, he had burnt a valve. Well, preparation time was the night before we left. He realized he didn't have any compression on the three out of the four cylinders he had. So, wait, one out of the four cylinders. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> one, had, one had a burnt valve in it, so we stopped at a junkyard on the way out of town, and he bought a CB350 four-cylinder valve for $10 that was used because the night before we had welded the valve and ground it down. And it worked to get us like 100-and-something miles out of town, but it was smoking like a freight train, and it was really <laughs> just brutal. What we found out whenever he took it apart was he had three rings broken in his cylinders, <laughs> so we had two bikes down, by. one with bent valves, two bent valves. One had three broken rings, and he was going to replace the valve that we had welded the evening before. Well, taken apart, okay, everything's good. Well, we find that within three hours from us, there is a motorcycle shop that has been a dealer since the early 60s, and they have those parts in stock. And they said, come on down, we'll take care of you, and it's kind of a museum, you know, whatever. Three of the guys went down there, bombed down, picked up the parts, and came back. Well, when they were coming back, one of the other guys' cam chains went out and bent two of the valves in his bike. <laughs> Good thing he had valves with him. Right. <laughs> so he was, he was 10 to 15 minutes from us whenever this happened. I was, I was like, shit, I should look at the cam chain tensioner on my bike because this is the Achilles heel of a CB350. I've never looked at it. Let me double check. I looked. When I pulled the top cover off, my cam chain tensioner, it's a plastic tensioner, and it had broken into pieces and was sitting on top of the motor. So, <laughs> so now we have four motors that are down, and we're only the second night on the trip. And these people were nice enough. They had this big parking lot and a pavilion at this gas station in the middle of nowhere with nothing but the gas station there. And we took all the motors out, put them on picnic tables, and started rebuilding them with the parts they had and trying to find you know scavenge tensioners and things like that and out of the woodwork came locals with moonshine and dried guns. squid dried squid was wild but they had guns no no guns they had uh valve spring compressors torque wrenches all the little necessities <laughs> that we they had metal shot or machine shops up the road so oh, I, I thought he said torches <laughs> pitchforks uh-huh no they were a real real nice group of people they treated us great and anyhow the first night we didn't go anywhere the second night we still didn't have enough stuff to repair it cases split top ends off cylinders everything you know the whole thing all it was a complete yard sale of four motorcycles i've never seen anything so, so catastrophic on one of these trips but we still pushed them down the road after that and made some pretty good miles the next day so how much beer did you guys drink that second day you have no clue. 
<laughs> I mean, there was a gas station right there. It was, Maybe exactly. the truck and, came. And they were fun. they sold us as much beer as we wanted to, and we were in a safe place to drink it. So Did most they run of the, out? Most of the moonshine. <laughs> one of our friends that comes that was on the trip uh, had flown over from Australia, so he picked up a bottle of absinthe in customs. So we were also <laughs> working on the absinthe in the evening. So that night, we weren't too constructive with the motor. <laughs> Next morning was a little slow going, but there's a lot of impressionistic motor repair going on. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they're drinking absinthe. I'm surprised there wasn't some sort of sculpture by morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one shot apiece. That was just enough to uh, counteract the moonshine and uh, kind of put <laughs> a nice Van Gogh kind of spirit. <laughs> Todd, Todd, I know what we need to do. We can keep from getting drunk if we get drunk. Mm-hmm. If we balance the moonshine with the absinthe. You gotta. It's a. It's a. It's a delicate thing. It's the razor's edge. Uh-huh. Uh, drink more alcohol to kill this alcohol. It's genius. You what guys could are missing out, man. Go wrong. <laughs> That's what our trips needed. More white lightning. <laughs> You know my cousin in, in Virginia that eats roadkill? Mm-hmm. He makes his own shine. Mm-hmm. He could hook us up. Ask him if he met a bunch of guys who he couldn't rebuild in Sydney 350. in the one. There we go. Tell him I said thanks for the moonshine and the nice cuddle that night. It was pleasant. <laughs> so, you know, have, have you guys have you guys scored on these trips? Uh, most of the guys here have uh, relationships, you most, know. Most, but you know, you could be anonymous. It's okay. I'm just wondering. <laughs> things things have worked out for a few of the characters on this trip. Yes. Hey, baby, check out my CB three fifty. Is that what that is? Was, I spent a whole two hundred dollars. Uh huh. I found the right women, and uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say. You know, our, our friend Rudy that passed through was telling me about some of those kind of women. <laughs> Wasn't he going to Nevada? Yeah. So what do you guys think about this idea? Is this a little far fetched? Well, it's a little out there, but it sounds fun as crap. Five hundred bucks is that? That's, that's the hard part for me. The five hundred, <laughs> and actually, the nineteen seventy-five is really hard too. Ooh, that's tricky. You like just, if you said eighty-five, like I, I could think of a number of like eighties bikes that would be just bagged out that I could totally pull out of a barn and resurrect. Yeah, but I think the, the thing is with those with the you get older. I mean, you know, you pull a, a shipbox Nighthawk out of a barn, and then you find out that the CDI box or something is junk. And, you know, that thing alone costs 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then you got those damn 80s carburetors and stuff like that. And I think the thing is with these is there's there's no computer systems in it. Actually, you know, you can hand file the points down to little nubs and still make them work. They're out there, man. They're, uh, so w- why 1975? Well, Because it was a five. <laughs> well, no, it was. Well, you know. You know, this is the way it was. No, the way, the way it worked originally was my brother, my younger brother was kind of the originator of the trip the way it worked. Our older brother lived in Portland, Oregon, and he lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, bought his first motorcycle, and it was a 1969 CB450, and he paid 100 bucks for it. And I was, you know, trying to coax him along and help him fix the bike up so we could make a trip to go visit my brother in Portland. One of the things was, is I thought, well, you know, I'll buy a bike that's, you know, smaller. I've got an old BMW, and I thought, well, I'll get, you know, something that's comparable to it, and then we'll ride out together, and that way your bike doesn't blow up because we'll be riding kind of at the same speed, and we'll stay on the two-lane all the way out there, and it'd be a great trip. And my friends heard that we are going on this trip, and I said, yeah, we should put together this, but, you know, you guys can't ride your 1,000cc bikes and all your new shit because, you know, we don't, you know, we want to keep it all at the same speed. So we developed, well, you know, not everybody's going to find a $100 CB450, 
So we kind of upped it up to $500 for the total buy-in and the repairs because it seemed totally feasible because there were bikes out there and the bikes were found. I mean, $75, $150, $300, the price ranges were all over the place. But once I got my bike and then another fellow bought the bike, when the third bike was bought, people realized it was seriously going to happen. And then more bikes got bought. And then by the time we left, there were seven of us for the first trip, which, you know, for adults to get three weeks off and actually take a motorcycle trip together is usually unheard of. I mean, most everybody's mm-hmm. caught up in something, you know, some sort of bullshit, you know, real life reason where their job won't give them more than a week off and then they need this and then, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Feed my yeah. family. Yada, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Wine, wine, wine. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know, for that to actually happen was, was really amazing. And then when it, continued to happen and you know people were just like fucking i'm I'm not missing this opportunity again this this trip is amazing and you know i'll work around it and i'll figure out a way that i can take the time off and you know most people's families were super cool with it and wives there i don't think there's any kids there's two kids involved but they were pretty young so it wasn't a big deal but <laughs> anyhow yeah so uh yeah kids eh, fuck them mm-hmm. I was just thinking, you know, so so if I brought a if I brought a kid with in a sidecar, would that mean I had a thousand dollar budget? <laughs> Hell no! It's still. Or do we like prorate the kids? They did they did the sidecar trip with five hundred. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're boned. Sorry, dude. They already did the sidecar. Yeah. You, you have to do something else. Lame, dude. You need something else. <laughs> oh, it's on now. Yeah. Break it. We're ready. <laughs> Heard you pussies out there can't ride anything anyhow. So. <laughs> No, but if you guys did have your little headsets and matching suits, you might be able to make it over across the Rockies in the summertime. No, uh, well, we, we don't, we don't actually match. Next... We just match our bikes. Uh, we don't match each other. Oh, <laughs> that, that would be different. No, that'd be a little strange. That would yeah. be a different podcast. No, you got to match your bike, though. I mean, that's like practically a law, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you get fined in Utah if you don't match your bike? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you and McGregor make those laws with those uh, <laughs> matching snakeskin uh, BMW things? Is that what goes on over there? <laughs> no. Yes, a little. <laughs> oh, man. Listen to him. He goes rides a piece of shit bike and talks trash. Yeah. Well, that's what we do over I, here. I told you he's my people. <laughs> what, what's, what's happened to the older the bikes from previous trips? People are still riding them. They're still floating okay. around town, man. Uh, I do, still... do any of them make a repeat performance on one of these trips? Or No, the, the rules are you can't pull from the stable. You have to start new. Mm. So at some point, you guys are just going to exhaust the market in, in Tennessee <laughs> for uh, rat bikes. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally seeing the wives, too, after about three years of this. Like, so, um, these bikes <laughs> that you have. Get Listen. these things out of here. <laughs> He's got him hanging on the walls like trophies. <laughs> so next year, the plan is the Transamerica Trail. Wow. Yeah. It'll be a little easier. No hardtails, no sidecars, just old XLs and CLs and whatever you can find. Maybe some uh, or something. It's hard to say. Well, and realistically, any bike is a dirt bike if you don't like it very much. Mm. But you're only dumping yeah. $500 into it. Then mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very good point. I've never thought about it like that, but it's very true. Yeah, throw some knobbies on it. Throw some knobbies, get rid of the kickstand, and just go. Yeah, Yeah. screw it. (laughs) Find a nice tree to lean it against. Uh, I like logs a lot. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Other people's bikes? Other people's bikes are really good, especially if they they bring a kickstand. Yeah. (laughs) 
Or if you pile up a couple of them, then the third one will probably stay upright. Yeah, you, you kind of stack them against each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little A-frame. Mm-hmm. little Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Throw a tarp over that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the that's the goal for next year, to... Uh, I, we're going to try to come back from Portland, Oregon, back to Tennessee. Instead of going the normal east to west, we're going to go west to east so we can actually ha- bring our bikes home instead of, you know, getting them all the way out there and then having to try to figure out how to get them back because I imagine this is going to be the longest trip of them all trying to get across the dirt road. So are you guys going to fly out there, get the bikes, get them in shape, and then ride back? I think that might be it. Or it, The thing is, too, is, you know, down in the south and in the out into the Midwest, the bikes are a little cheaper, so we could probably crate them and then ship them out there, get them ready, mm. ship them out, blow it out with a couple of nights of drinking with the guys from Portland, and then uh, hit the road. Cool. So where, uh, what sites can people check out to uh, see what you guys are up to and well, follow the excitement? It's a train wreck. There's not really any good websites out there. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> there's, we, do, we do have one website. It's called the555.com, and it's all spelled out, the F-I-V-E, F-I-V-E, F-I-V-E.com. And then uh, one of the guys on the trip has put together another website. He and I just got back from South America on two uh, 1974 XL350. That was kind of the continuing saga from that website is kickstandsandhandstands.com. Mm, cool. So those are the two websites that you could search out to kind of find the details of what happened and what is happening in the future. What's your, your normal ride, your day-to-day ride? I ride a 1971 BMW R75-5. Nice. Wow, okay. Is everyone that goes on this trip mechanically inclined? Do you ever get guys that are just like, well, help? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's the thing, man. I mean, it's not, not all the guys are mechanics. You know, half the guys, we got computer programmers and architects and bar owners and stuff like that. The thing is, is everybody's welcome on the trip as, as long as they're willing to try and learn to figure out how all of these things work. If, if they don't know, then, yeah, everybody's willing to, to lend them a hand. But the thing is, is they have to do it on their own and they have to try. No one's going to carry the weight for them. And I think that's what scares a lot of people is like, but the people that are brave and like, fuck it, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try. They're the ones that achieve it. You know, they learn right. how to weld. They learn actually how a motor works or why things don't work, you know, by trial and error. And But everybody, this this whole community is totally cool with teaching each other whatever they know in the motorcycle world or fabrication world or, or whatever it is. When you're on the road, same thing. When something goes wrong, I, you know, I've never seen the inside of a motor. Well, your motor's blown up. We're going to show you how it's done. And everybody <laughs> learns. It's, it's really cool. It's a, it's a pretty neat thing how that all comes together. Would you say it's easier for, for those guys to learn on the older bikes? Totally, yeah. Because, you know, there's, to, there's a ton of room for error. You can reuse the same head gasket three times. Your pistons <laughs> don't have to be perfect, you know. You can, you can put your motor back together and your cam chain can be off by one tooth. And it'll still run terribly, but it'll run. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, you got to take it apart and you got to, you know, knock it back one tooth. You know, it'll work better that way. Oh, and, you know, those are the little trial and error experiments that, that work really well. Do you guys camp on the trip or hotel it or motel it? or? Uh, well, it's a, it's a really cheap trip. I mean, we camp the whole way. Usually behind gas stations. <laughs> gas stations are often amazing places. Churches are always handy. You can you know sneak in behind a church and, and sleep there. Or you know people will give you place in fields, houses. It's it's crazy when someone you break down in someone's front yard and they don't they know you can't go anywhere. It's like hey, where are you guys going? Nowhere. Okay, can we stay here? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know. Sure, but the one with the pretty mouse gotta come inside. <laughs> Most of the guys are super cool and pleasant. They all got a great personality. So, you know, people don't get scared away. And they're, yeah, you guys are fine. Don't worry about it. You can stay in the yard and 
when you stop, when the bike breaks down, you usually have to scurry to try to find some place to stay. And it's usually, well, we've done it all this time and not had too much of a problem. All right. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Mike, thanks so much for talking with us tonight. Yeah, man. I appreciate the time as well. It was uh, super cool. Thanks for the, uh, yeah, the, never mind. Anyhow. uh, Well, we haven't given you uh, Todd's drinking his milkshake. Oh, Todd. Well, thanks for the abuse, man. It was nice. I feel much better. <laughs> See, that sounds like fun. I told my I told my wife about this five 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 thing, and she just gave me the look. <laughs> the kind of the kind of I, I I'm not gonna say no because I don't want to be the wife that says no. But I'm, no, I'm projecting no. <laughs> I'm sending it directly to your mind. <laughs> I, I I think he was inviting us. It sounded like it to me. I, I think he was he was trying to goad us into going. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was a dare. Yeah, a dare. Do it to do the off-rail Trans-American Trail on five hundred dollars bikes. Well, the thing the thing that I like about the uh, five hundred dollars bike is it's it's a really like if something really goes wrong, you try to fix it on the road. If you can't, I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? You set the bike on fire and walk away in slow motion. <laughs> it's kind of the same way I feel about the Strom, actually. Funny thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your your Strom doesn't qualify in many different ways. <laughs> No, no, no. Far too modern, uh, far too not shitty, which is possibly the first time that's ever been said about my Strom. Far too big. Far too big. Yeah. Just getting that many dudes together to go on a trip, like he says, is that's hard. Yeah. I mean, getting three of us together to go on a trip is like For a weekend. Teeth. Yeah, for a weekend is like pulling teeth. Yeah. So we got listener mail. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. Well, our first one comes from Todd. Yes, Todd, not me, a different Todd. Yeah, different Todd. Hey, guys, big fan of the show. Are you sure this isn't you? Not me. All right. First, full disclosure, I ride a Strom. Are you sure this isn't... Not me! I lived in the former Soviet Union for a spell and have seen firsthand what your old sidecar rigs can really haul. Whole families, pigs, sacks, and sacks of potatoes, etc. My name is Todd, so Team Todd, are you sure... It's not me! Just got back from the Barber Vintage Festival in Birmingham, Alabama, and thought I would share a few picks. A couple of ideas for you when you hack the Strom. Maybe instead of a boat sidecar, a wicker boat sidecar. And he sent us a picture of this. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, Chuck, I have a confession to make. Yes? I hate wicker furniture. I think it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> and the wicker sidecar looks kind of neat, but uh, never in a thousand years <laughs> would I own a wicker anything, much less a sidecar. All right. Well, instead, for the family of three, this two-seater could be the new Todd rig. Ooh, it's one of these closed British sidecars. I've seen these before. These are one of those weird kind of oddities. It's kind of the enclosed one, and oh my God, look at what it's attached to. See, two, no, no, look, look at the engine. Yes. So note on this engine where the pipes come out. This is an aerial square four. Not a straight four like your average. Is that? Yeah. Two, are they? Bu- All four, right wow. straight up. Wow. Apparently, it shakes like you would not believe. <laughs> it's the most vibrating thing ever invented. That's why they put a sidecar on it. <laughs> but it's got. But it, I guess it had a fair amount of juice for the time and was, you know, pretty highly regarded for those who could get it and maintain it. Oh. So, yeah. That's a pretty slick-looking sidecar rig. And the, uh, the sidecar itself is that double-seater with the front and back kind of thing. Yeah. And all the leather. I got to figure the aerodynamics of it are false. Um, <laughs> but, you know. That's cool, man. I can imagine you tar- carting you in a missus in, in a little... A lot of the family-type sidecars I'm looking at are the pretty well-enclosed ones. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Speaking of sidecars... We did go and look at that uh, Goldwing. Yeah, it's the Honda Goldwing on. on, uh, on yep, night. it had a California sidecar, and uh, it was uh, it was 
pretty much a basket case. Yeah, it, it had been well loved. And not the wicker basket case, but <laughs> just a basket case. It, it had been well, well loved. Well loved. Well for a long, long, a long time. time. Long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rust, a lot of things leaking out of other things. Yeah, a lot of no fork ceilings. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, I not, mean, the price was interesting, but yeah, yeah not for not for not that. For that. No. no. <laughs> well, let's see. He's he, let's see. Uh, Todd goes on here. He oh, there's some pictures of uh, versuses here, and let's just skip over that. Part. No, no, no. I about fell over no, laughing when ver- I saw this versus no, with the with the no. brace yourself styrofoam backrest. <sighs> I could just hear the comments about versus riders not getting dates. I'm personally a fan of the bottle holder. <sighs> so since you don't need your back seat for dates on your verses, you can have this styrofoam, this fine styrofoam and bungee cord backrest <sighs> with a hole drilled in it. To put your water in, he he took a block of styrofoam and, and shaved duct it, and and uh, looks like a zip tie on either side and a, a bungee cord and front. a foam pad in front. And then he drilled some holes in it to hold drinks. Yep. Oh god. <laughs> oh, oh. This is where it all ends, Chuck. Oh. <laughs> this is this is the place you're going to with the verses. Yeah, Soon the styrofoam back seat will be yours. I just no. It's so affordable. Just, <laughs> and it's efficient. And if you don't like it, you just drill different holes in it to put different things in. This is no, this is so Oh, wrong. it's wonderful. Oh. oh, it's so good. That can't be a good backrest. It's it's look at the nice foam. It's it's soft. Oh. And it's nice and solid and it doesn't weigh anything. How could you do that to this oh, bike? Well, you know, he was uncomfortable, and so ah, he put it on there. Wow, really? I mean, the guy's got a big windshield. He's clearly a touring rider. I, that's below me putting the toolbox on the Buell. And look, I think he's got power to his case, his Gibby case. Yes, he actually – yeah, he even has the lights that go in the Gibby case. That's cool. But he has styrofoam with he's bungee cords. A, uh, it's even got the uh, – it's even got the uh, old uh, 80s pattern bungee cords. Why? <laughs> Because what the hell else was he going to do with that backseat? <laughs> Todd actually sent us a second email. Todd part deux. I'm at Home Depot loading a bunch of lumber in my truck. A young Billyish guy comes rolling up on the bike pictured. Just to make conversation with Billy, I say, hey, nice bike, even though he's missing his fairing and his chain looks like it's rusted solid. He says, thanks. I traded a guy on Craigslist for some speakers. It doesn't have a title, but that's okay, and walks into the store. <laughs> All I could hear in my head is Chuck and Todd screaming, "Not stolen!" <laughs> and uh, wow, yeah, that it's... is in fact missing all of the fairing in the front. It's got the wires kind of dangling. It's a naked bike. It is. It is naked. <laughs> it's rather naked. Looks like a uh, looks like it was a GS five hundred. Was it Craig? Who uh, went on our Facebook page and was saying that the new catchphrase for the Craigslist ads is "Street Fighter" for the the sport bikes oh, that have go. fallen and been rashed, been rashed up, and they have no fairing anymore. Yeah, I think it was Craig. He called yeah. it. Yeah. So this is a GS five hundred. This is a Street Fighter. Mm, mm, yes. <laughs> yes, I can see it. Ah. Uh. I like all the dents in the side of the case. Yeah, that, that's a particularly nice that's, addition. That's pretty. And all the scum melted onto the uh, pipe. Yeah, that's also good. That's good. Yeah, yeah brings the whole brings the whole package together. You know, traded for some speakers. Hmm. Hmm. I hope they weren't nice speakers, sir. Well, they probably came out of a Pinto. Mm, I suppose <laughs> if the bike runs, and I'm sure the speakers weren't stolen either. <laughs> no, 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 no. At least he's wearing a helmet. No title, but that's no big deal. 
okay. Folks, it's not registered. Folks, that that's a big deal. <laughs> just just so you know. That's a big deal. That's the piece of paper that says you actually own this bike now. No, it's cool. I traded this dude. Mm. <laughs> was it this dude here? No, it wasn't him. This dude's the owner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, finally, uh, Mike writes, I just wanted to drop you a line and say how much I like your show. It's the best motorcycle podcast ever. Checks in the mail. Take that, the pace. <laughs> <laughs> the pace. The, the pace. Mm. The, the, the. Mm. I currently ride a DR650, not stolen, and I'm thinking about selling my Jeep, also not stolen, and getting a Ural. I live in northeast Ohio, and I'm wondering how well the Ural is in the snow. It's better than a Saab without snow tires. It's better than a Buell. <laughs> we get storms that will drop about a foot of snow or more before the plows can get things under control. Can the Ural handle that commute? Will it at least be manageable? I have a 20-mile one-way commute to work. If that makes a difference, I prefer to take back roads, but I can stick to main roads if I need to. I'm also thinking about training the DR for something a little more road-friendly, maybe help out with World versus Nation. I think that was a... Versus Nation! Versus Nation! Stromination. Fuck. (laughs) World Stromination continues apace. Can the Ural handle that? Um, We've talked about it being okay during the winter, but a foot it, of snow? It's it's great in the snow. A foot of snow is going to start to be a problem because your sidecar is rapidly going to turn into a uh, ski. Mm. That would be my big worry. I is, mean, a foot of snow, even for a car, that's just no problem. Yeah, that's well, I mean, fun. you start plowing it is what yeah. happens. Well, actually, one of the nice things about the Ural is it's got those narrow-ass tires. So they will actually sink down to where you have something to grip in. Because okay. they are narrow and they have a lot of weight on them. Yeah. The Especially down- with Todd riding it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes you. Eat some more gravy, fatty. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it handles just fine in the snow, albeit, you know, a little slippery at times. Yeah. But, you know, it's better than my sob was. My sob had no snow tires. A foot of snow, you might find yourself plowing, uh, which could be a problem. What will happen when it plows? Uh, basically, you will lift up on the snow and start trying to grind in the snow. and you'll, you'll start pushing snow in front of you until there's too much snow in front of you to go. And you'll just stop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Your wheels will be off the ground. Yes, exactly. That, In <laughs> fact, that is the most common problem with Urals and snow is people go in too deep snow and you end up with wheels not on the ground. <laughs> I mean, any amount of snow that you're not going to plow in one wheel or two wheel, they're great. Two wheels just like tank mode and it doesn't turn worth a damn. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, one wheel's good most of the time. So it, I, I, I ride mine all winter. And uh, it's fine in the snow. I haven't ridden it in a foot of snow. Well, no, there was that one time on the baseball field behind the church. I don't know how those parking lot. I don't know how those marks got there on that baseball field, Chuck. <laughs> why? Why home plate was all like scrammed up? But why someone would do that? Why who could be dickish enough to do that? Who could be irresponsible? Who could be so selfish and thoughtless and without any empathy whatsoever? A virtual walking sociopath of a wretched hollow, empty shell of a human being to do that. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I wonder. But apart from the plowing thing, they're great in the snow. They're killer. Do get the fairing, the Ural factory fairing, and get the uh, leg guards. Get it in in heated gear. And heated gear. And good boots. (laughs) And those muffle muffle things for the handlebars. And the muffle things for your handlebars. And do not, do not, do not put the sidecar windshield on in the winter because it will dump cold air on you and it sucks. No, okay, all good tips. What have you learned this week, Todd? I've learned that I'm probably paying too much for my bikes. (laughs) Which is saying something. (laughs) 
What have you learned? You're a sociopath. No. Oh, wait. I already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we got time for this week. Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.